This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candice. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I thought we were empowering an informed electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Candace, we had an adult in the room. We had to say, no, I was just saying, I didn't swear or cuss or nothing. We had a great conversation with Enrique Leon about why kids should be able to go to school later, among other things. Yeah, this is dense and interesting. Hang on. Okay, welcome to Citizen Tacoma. We are here again today in the beautiful Moonyard Studios with Enrique Leon. Hi, Enrique. Hello. And you are running for Tacoma School Board position two? Position two, correct. Awesome. So uh, tell us about yourself. So um, I've been in Tacoma for about 20 years. Um, I'm originally from Peru uh, and then uh, immigrated to the U.S. when I was eight uh, over to D.C. area, Maryland. Uh, And then came over here for my residency in Seattle and then took a great job at community healthcare down in, um, down here in Tacoma at Salishan. Oh, cool. So, um, I don't know where you want to start, but there's a lot, (laughs) lots back, lots of stuff going on back there in my, in my history in Peru. Uh, got a lot of great family there. I still go back and visit and, uh, East coast is, um, is wonderful too, but this is home now. So Mm -hmm. we love it here. The West Coast pulled you in, didn't let you go. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so you're a doctor. I am, yes. I'm a family medicine um, physician, and I teach um, full-time. Um, I'm an assistant professor of medicine at uh, UW, um, and we teach the residents and medical students down here in Tacoma. Okay. So I actually don't have to travel to UW very much. That was my uh, next know. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four, four times a year, maybe, to do conferences there, but mostly we teach everyone down here. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so you were appointed to the school board to fill Catherine Ushka's seat when she was elected to the city council, right? Correct. So that was about a year and a half ago? A year and a half ago, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's it been like being on the school board? Uh, It's been excellent. Super. It's been a lot of, um, just a lot of learning, you know, uh, about uh, processes that uh, I knew somewhat about, uh, but also learning more in depth uh, about budgeting, of course, um, and just trying to make a difference and try to keep kids, uh, healthier staff also healthier so that everyone can teach and learn uh, in a more efficient manner so that's one of the main reasons i joined the board is to bring my my health lens my prevention lens Mm -hmm. uh, that i do every day at my regular job uh, into the schools i think it's just a great place to uh, improve upon kids health (laughs) Um, and then um, from that there's been lots of data showing that when kids are healthy emotionally um, and physically um, of course, teachers too, and all staff members. Then everyone um, learns better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have kids that go to Tacoma schools. I do. I do. I've got one in Tacoma schools, one not in Tacoma schools. But I got two kids. Both of them have been through elementary at Washington Hoyt. Okay. Uh, Washington now used yeah. to be Hoyt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how did you become in the running for that appointment process in 2018? 
Yeah. Um, so it's an application process. The same process is going on now, by the way. It's, uh, oh, because, right. Because unfortunately, um, yes. Karen Vial died. Uh, very sad. R.I.P. Uh, we can't uh, really replace her, but we're going to try. To, we have to pick someone to, to fill her spot. Right. Uh, so that came about. Um, I've always been interested. Uh, I've always I've done a lot of volunteer work uh, outside of my, my medical work. Um, my emphasis has always been on helping the underserved Um and a big part of that's been teaching. So that's why I, I decided to teach full-time uh, medicine. So I thought the best way to make a bigger footprint and try to help people be healthier uh, into adulthood was to get them when they're kids and try to uh, get some healthy habits going, good teaching going um, at, uh, at the K-12 through level uh, so that maybe when they become adults, although I do take care of kids too, then they won't be quite as sick. Right. <laughs> yeah, what are some of those things that, you kind of preach that that are really good for kids to start doing as young people. Yeah. So a lot of things I discuss, so I do a lot of pre um, or uh, you know, well child checks, we call them, right? So preventative medicine type work, which is uh, a lot of it revolves around. Um, so we always ask about how your grades are doing in school. It's kind of a good opener. Some kids just clam up and don't want to talk about that <laughs> or what extracurricular activities you're doing. Um, so I preach a lot of um, so uh, healthy habits with regard to nutrition, uh, emotional health, sleep is a big part of this. Um, try to get it and figure out if kids are being bullied or if they're bullies and try to talk to them and, and parents about around those topics. Uh, really, so mental health really is so much more important than a lot of people give it credit because uh, it really impacts your physical health in so many ways. So I try to get into the mental health piece and make sure families are stable. Um, you know, I can't I can't wave a magic wand and stabilize every family I come across, but we try to give them the tools and the resources to improve upon. So nutrition, um, study habits, sleep, you know, avoiding uh, drugs and alcohol, of course, mm-hmm. um, lots of health-related topics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. You're the third person we've interviewed for the candidate series that is either running for school board or, or in the schools every day in some way, and that stability word keeps coming up. Or So what is, yeah, talk to me about, like, why stability? What are you seeing in Tacoma, and why is it such an important thing to have? Mm-hmm. Um, stability, like, of the kids, you Of mean? the kids and of families. Of kids and families, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's just so. funny because it keeps coming up, so figured I'd ask. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we've got, uh, it's not isolated to Tacoma, but I think, the whole country um, is having lots of problems around um, so jobs, um, not just satisfaction, but making sure that people are paid um, uh, living wages mm-hmm. so parents can have time to then attend uh, to their kids uh, appropriately and not be overworked. Obviously, broken um, homes, you know, when parents are, are divorced are very difficult, but those kids can can do well in, in, in life also. But it's also these um, mental health stressors that come a lot of times from societal issues. Um, many of them are brought up from um, uh, early in life with a lack of education or proper education. Many people are educated well, but then still have trouble finding, um, you know, good paying jobs, um, mm-hmm. fair paying jobs in the community. And that really does trickle down in a, in a harsh way on their own mental health, their depression, their anxiety, um, and then that, in turn, of course, affects the child in a, in a huge way. So it's a it's a negative feedback loop that continues to be negative. Yes, the stock market's way up in America all the time, but you know people forget that the stock market is not what every American is in. Right? It's the upper ten percent or so that have like lots of money there, and the rest of the people are really making it by, and a big majority are struggling. So, and we, I, I see and live 
these stories all the time with my patients. Um, so, because I'm on the hilltop right now, that's where my practice is, okay. uh, next to next to MultiCare, um, and we and we our goal is to train family medicine residents to work in underserved and rural communities of the of the, of the country and internationally. So, that's still part of my my mission as I do my that work and my volunteer work at the school board. Mm-hmm. So the well checks are kind of a way to figure out how the physical child is doing, but also kind of get into some of those other issues. Absolutely. The the mental health piece is really more important than anything else. Um, And we uh, sometimes don't, if we don't ask those questions, we will miss potential topics, you know, adverse childhood um, kind of events that occur, Mm -hmm. the ACEs. Uh, and abuse potentials. It takes a while sometimes before you start to see the outward um, evidence of someone who's not doing well emotionally. So, and it might you know come about once high school or college comes when they're maybe it's alcohol or drugs or, or domestic violence that's affecting their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to try to get to that sooner. How do you find out a kid is a bully? I mean, it's probably pretty easy to tell if they're being bullied, but yeah, how do you figure out if yeah. a kid is a bully? That's not so easy, um, but we do. Um, we do ask them that a lot of these sensitive questions with their parents out of the room. Mm. So we'll just uh, we'll talk we'll we'll just talk about bullying in general. How it's uh, um, it's not it's something we want to and they've, they've heard this before. It's something that we want to try to prevent. We'll just and we we'll bring it up in the point of saying, so you, have you ever been bullied? Have you ever seen anybody bully anybody else? Have you do you think you bullied anybody? You know either you know, just by accident. And and a lot of kids will say, oh, I might have done something here or there. And we and that opens up the conversation to, to have with these kids. It's not an easy one to have with a kid you never met. Right. But um, that's why family medicine is, is a beautiful specialty that allows us continuity. So we know families from, I deliver babies and I help all the way through, you know, life, take care of families. And I help people uh, die with dignity also at the, wow. end of, at the end of their life. So Wow. And so uh you so you, you enjoyed I guess your first year and a half your first year and decided to run for yeah. a full term. Yes, yes. Um. What's it been like campaigning for this position? It's been fun. It's been fun. It's been uh, a lot of work. It's like a second job, or yeah. third job now. I guess maybe something like that. Uh, but it's been really uh, exciting to meet folks um, at their doors, at forums, uh, to have discussions around the topics that are I'm passionate about. I know the society is passionate about their you know education. You know, if you ask anybody what's important, um, you know, kind of priorities, education comes up usually in the top five of most people's lists. But then when it comes down to uh, how much are we going to pay in taxes, where do you want the money to go, then sometimes it's hard to bring that money back around to education. But it really is the one single thing I think that if we did more of and better at, then uh, we could really improve the outcome of people's people's you know earning potential and health in in the future uh, but the campaigning's been has been fun so yeah meeting lots of folks at the door uh, I was having discussions around the health related topics that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, working on mm-hmm. on the on the board and getting their input and what they think uh, what they support what they also want to talk about with what's not going well so I can learn about how to improve things in, in Tacoma yeah what are some of those things that are going well and or not going well sure. Um, so I'll start with, well, I'll start with what's not going well sometimes. I think things are, uh, we have a good school education system, I, I believe in our, in our, in our town here. Um, and it's been getting better over the you know, past 10, 12 years really. Uh, but there's still room for improvement. So I think that there's, um, uh, so, uh, discipline issues around, um, too much, um, you know, kind of excluding kids from class too much. That's mm-hmm. the term that's used. Uh, exclusion, suspension. yeah, suspension, detention, um, 
So doing uh, kind of negative repercussions to someone's actions. We we do know that there if there's something extreme that occurs, and sometimes yes, you know, if there's a gun that's brought to school or a major fight or something like that, then sometimes a suspension or something is is in the order uh, to keep kids safe. But the majority of the time. Um, learning how to de-escalate um, and how to meet kids where they're ready to be met and educating them and parents and teachers, right? And staff, all staff really uh, are being trained and learning more about these de-escalation techniques mm-hmm. and understanding that the kids that come into our lives and our schools aren't all coming from a average middle-class background. Some of these kids are not fed very well. They haven't slept. They've got, they've been beat, who knows what they've seen horrible things. And, and they come to school and sometimes they're there and, and maybe they're going to sleep for a little bit. And maybe they're not going to uh, be real attentive to what the teacher is saying. But it's not because they're, they're bad kids. It's not because they're evil. It's, uh, it's usually 99% of the time um, uh, kind of they're surrounding their environment that's causing these, these actions. So we don't want to put those kids out of class. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to keep them in class. Because what happens, those kids that end up kind of being excluded – uh, there's just a chain reaction that occurs that eventually, guess what? Next thing you know, they're in Raymond Hall. They're mm-hmm. in, that's the, if anybody is not sure, that's a juvenile detention. I don't know what the right term is nowadays, but the place where um, if you're not 18, you, you go either uh, for short term or long term. And then um, as soon as you start going down that route, there's the, the route to incarceration. And we've got way too much incarceration in our country. We're, yeah. we're, we're leading that field in the, in the world, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, so that's one thing. Um, so. and, the, and the school board recently voted to change its suspension policy, right? Yes. So is it? It's yes. a just encouraging more of that de-escalation on the part of teachers and mm-hmm. keeping kids in the class longer. Is Absol- that essentially it? Or? Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. We're gonna keep. We're gonna do as more, more, uh, a lot more uh, uh, to keep kids in classes to have conferences with parents mm-hmm. to kind of uh, help educate all the staff members. Um, around um, kind of what these kids are going through and mm-hmm. why it's better really to keep them there. So Right. And I guess part of that is part of that like a cultural competency issue maybe. I mean, I just listened to Nate's great podcast, The Nerd Farmer, where he uh, had a reporter from the Seattle Times on and they were talking about how like I think 80% of teachers are white or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then a very you have a very diverse school population like in Tacoma and that mm-hmm. probably plays a part of it. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we know there's there's data showing that if you have kids or st- teachers that look like the kids in their classrooms, the more you have of them as they as they grow, especially in the elementary school years, the more likely they are to graduate um, and do well in, in life. So, mm-hmm. yes, we we need to encourage and hire more uh, teachers of color and mm-hmm. different backgrounds. Is that a priority for the for the school board? Yes, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. And uh, so last year, one of the big things that I'm sure you knew I would ask about, uh, the teacher strike. Yes. So resulted in many days of missed class, and the school board came away to a lot of people looking not accessible and not transparent. Um, so what did you learn from that, and ha- how would you handle it differently if it came up again? Yeah, that was one of, that was one of the definitely difficult parts of, of joining the board right as that was going on. Right. So I do believe that um, we should open ourselves up more to having discussions with um the teachers, the parents, the union, um, in a way that we weren't doing as a group. Um, some of us were doing that. I was, I was doing some of them um, on my own, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I would hear you know good, um, good information. I was being uh, kind of taught about some of the issues that maybe I didn't uh, wasn't completely aware about. 
Um, and there was there was a lot of backlash. There was a lot of anger coming towards you know us, and that that's okay. That's part of the that's part of the job. Um, but I think that if we were to um, more be more open and have more uh, more meetings, more forums to have, uh, you know, it's not just letting people vent. It's really listening uh, mm-hmm. to people. It's not just uh, that it, it's it is therapeutic to vent. Uh, apparently, too, you know, <laughs> we we all know that. Um, but it's also important to um, to be the listener, yeah, uh, attentive listener. So. Um, Definitely would would want to do that differently with regard to that. So, mm-hmm. is that something the whole school board agrees with? Kind of looking in retrospect at that. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. I mean, it must have been hard. It's hard to be in the spotlight or kind of under the heat like that. So, I'm sure it was not fun for anyone involved. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. We we don't want that again. Um, but really, I think that's the piece of thinking about uh, the staff, the teachers, the student as a whole. Um, we do, you know, the administrators, um, the, te- the, uh, the the that are in higher administration at the central administration building, do have the best interests of the students and the teachers. Um, there is this, you know, little thing called the budget and how much money we get and how much we can um, allot, you know, to different departments and different teachers. And obviously, we're following, um, you know, la- labor law that's uh, that, that's important because because uh, we need to we need to properly protect people's uh, rights. So uh, it'd be nice to have a little bit more more financial support from, you know, Olympia and taxpayers in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we need to keep the balance, the, the budget balance. But, you know, that being said, the teachers deserve, deserve th- these raises, right? I mean, it's um, generally across the country, teachers are not paid well enough. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think Maybe there's a district here or there that they're where they should be, but it's really uh, underpayment of teachers all across this country. So um, uh, we're we tried to do our best at improving that, um, and in doing that, we the other repercussion was having to do um, layoff in force and you know, lay, lay people off to make the budget balanced. Yeah. So yeah, that was my next question. Um, so I don't I don't know remember what the total number of layoffs this year was. I feel, think it was thirty one. This year, yeah. This year, in that in that range, I don't remember the exact number either. Mm-hmm. Maybe thirty four, but. And do you expect more? Uh, don't expect any more now this year. Um, there, we're we're balanced. We 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 had some at sometimes we're actually being able to hire people back as we formulas are readjusted at Olympia, kind of uh, not all the time, but on an ongoing basis. And sometimes we have more uh, more more money to be able to hire hire folks back at. And sometimes we have more students than we expected. So sometimes right. we get more more money from that. So, right. Yeah. Or else the levy is also opening up for us in January, as you probably know. The, we're allowed to collect more on that levy. We should be able to get about fourteen million more in January. Okay. That'll help us um, really make make some of those classrooms more whole. Um, hire back some more staff. I don't know if that. I don't actually know if that's going to happen mid year. I think that'll help us um, for the next school year. Right. Yeah. And what would be the priority to hire back if if you do have that opportunity? Like, what, what positions are the priority? I think classroom positions are, are the most important, right? We know that if you decrease class size, that's probably that's the biggest impact you can have on and kids' uh, success. We we you know, ideally being you know. 16, 14 kids in each classroom. We just don't have the budget for anything like that in in, uh, in anything that's above uh, kindergarten, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, my priorities, a lot of them revolve around uh, really um, supporting and increasing the the uh, the, um, the hiring around nurses, counselors, psychologists. Because really they are, um, well, while teachers obviously are, are one's the most important piece of the puzzle here, um, 
you know, teachers, when you ask them, do they do they want to be the counselor? Um, most teachers don't want to be the official counselor of each kid. You know, many of them are doing that already. But we really do need counselors. We really need the psychologists and the nurses are keeping our kids safe. Mm-hmm. So those would be the areas that I would like to uh, bring a few more people back in. And were a lot of those positions cut? There weren't a lot, but there were some cut. I, mm-hmm. I did my best to save as much of those, those as I could, and we saved a few uh, that were originally on the list, uh, but some of those were cut, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. We had uh, Nate Lover in here last week, and he's running for city council position one. We were talking about just how, how difficult it is for people outside of school to even find mental health counselors that are taking new patients or that are available for new patients in Tacoma. So it affects the schools too, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We have some um, um, working agreements with uh, counseling agencies, so Greater Lakes, Compromise Mental Health, and some others that come to our high schools uh, to help us um, with counseling of kids. Uh, but that's still um, not enough. We still need more. And one of the uh, um, projects that I'm working on and trying to um, expand upon is school-based health centers. Uh, so that's actually having physicians, nurse practitioners, and PAs in high schools seeing kids uh, not every day, mm. um, but we did that at Oakland High School this past year. We opened up our first one that Tacoma's ever had. Wow. Uh, so MultiCare paid for that, uh, which is who I work for currently. Um, so it's not costing the taxpayers money. Wow. Um, and, the, and, and it's going on this year, too. Um, my goal, my plan would be to try to really get one of those at every conventional high school we have. So next year, we're trying to work around um, planning for Lincoln High School having one, and we're in starting you know, early conversations with MultiCare around getting one at Lincoln. And my, I used to work at Community Healthcare, mm-hmm. which is a FQH, a federally qualified health center uh, in Tacoma here. There's two of them. There's Community Healthcare and CMAR. Anyway, um, uh, they opened one in uh, Bothell, and not Bothell, Bethel, excuse me, um, this year. And uh, I've got them excited about opening one at Mount Tahoma High School for next year. So if we can get Lincoln and Mount Tahoma next year, then um, I'm having meetings to discuss uh, the same idea with Kaiser and Franciscan to see if they can help sponsor, um, you know, Stadium, Wilson, Foss, the last, you know, three conventional schools. Um, and the evidence around this is really that if you have um, one of these, you know, provider, doctor, mid-level, uh, nurse practitioner, PA people in the school, you can really improve uh, graduation rates, academic success, uh, and you prevent a lot of uh, emotional, physical problems like around the depression, anxiety, um, substance abuse, unintended pregnancies, STDs, all those type of things wow. really improve. And those are the things that can really derail kids into adulthood. Uh, so we'll, we'll give them their flu shot. We'll look at their sprained ankle. And that's <laughs> wonderful. And then that's actually the way they trust us and then get to know us and, and come see us in the, in the school. Because uh, it's very difficult to get adolescents to come see doctors in their regular offices Kids feel invincible at that age, mm-hmm. and they're busy, and some parents are busy, and they, we're supposed to see them every year. That's the schedule we'd like to see them at. Uh, it's been proven to help kids stay healthier, but we're lucky if we see them every, like, three years. Wow. So, um, so this has proven to get us uh, get the kid in the door. Right. <laughs> so it's more robust than, like, your school nurse. Oh, yes. Yeah, tell me about what it looks yeah. like, how kids go there, like, when they go there, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so it'd be... So all every school that does it has a little slightly different model. Some are open half days, some are open whole days. The evidence shows if you're there two days a week uh, or more, then that's when you have you have all these benefits that I mentioned before. So um, kids kids can come in there for really any problem they're having. We're not doing major procedures in there, but we do. We can do minor procedures. We're diagnosing. Uh, we're talking to them about flu and cold type things, but also we start to get to know them. And they trust us, so we're dealing with anxiety, depression. 
uh, counseling around those issues, uh, STD, you know, prevention, right. um, trying to prevent them from becoming sexually active, but we know that kids are. So then when they do, we want them protected either from pregnancy and, and illnesses. So uh, we talk about those issues, uh, treat them for those type of things, but also uh, contraceptive management, um, which can be controversial in some people's minds, but we feel like that's something that's important in healthcare in general. So, right. um, so birth control, like for, for yes, girls, yes. does it have, do their parents have to sign off on it or? So, so there's a law in our state that says if you're 14 or older, you don't have to, oh, okay. you don't have to include your parents in any discussion around that. We do want parents to sign off that they're going to be allowed to be seen in the office so we can see them for the non-reproductive health mm. um, topics. And uh, once we, um, um, we have that, then we can see the, see the, the student and then the Reproductive health topics are actually confidential. Even oh, cool. in the regular physician's office, we 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 make sure that you know patients know that those topics are. We'd like them to share and, and be open right. with their parents, of course, but we know <laughs> that some people don't want to do that, and yeah. we still want to give them the services. So right. Yeah. And what have been some of the outcomes at Oakland having that this year? Yeah. Or so last year. last year, so we just started it in late spring last year. So okay. we don't have uh, lots of data to show on on that, but we know that anecdotally, really, there's, there's been kids that uh, were homeless uh, that weren't um, admitting and talking about their homelessness as much as um, we knew. We know about some kids, of course, being homeless. That is, is a problem we have. But some kids really are embarrassed to talk about that. Uh, so that came out several times. We are able to get them connected with the resources that we have from McKinney-Vento uh, money that, to allow for more services for them. Depression uh, came up several times. There was suicidal ideation came up, uh-huh. bulimia. Um, so these serious topics, in addition to we vaccinate kids and we make sure that uh, you know they're, they're treated for their common illnesses too. Yeah. Right. Okay, I, I didn't know about that. That's that seems really cool. Yeah. Uh, wasn't so was that a result of you being on the school board? Basically, that partnership was made possible. So it, uh, I've been working on that even before I was on the school board. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I've been working on that topic with my uh, with my residency. So actually, we take our residents over there and we train them. Mm-hmm. So it's part of a learning model we have. So I trained at a program like this in Seattle twenty five years ago uh, at a at a. Um, High school there, so this model has been around for about forty years uh, oh, wow. of having having doctors in schools, um, but it's just starting to take off a little bit more lately. Seattle's been doing it for a while, um, and, and I'm glad we're we're finally uh, jumping on board. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you said you don't you don't expect more layoffs this year. Um, do you, in in your opinion, is the funding issue really just a matter of the state and the whole, I guess allocation philosophy or is there something else is it just because we're a really big kind of i don't know more on the lower socioeconomic spectrum of districts or what is the main i think it's a combination of all those things Mm -hmm. yeah so as you if you have lower property taxes um us compared to seattle then we get um, less return um from from tax base on that uh for education Uh, so that affects us and then we we have a lot of kids that do uh, come from um, more poverty, uh, and then they need a little bit more services. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have the the, uh, the money from Olympia to be able to help with that. We are going to um, bring a bond issue, which I think I'd like to talk about a little bit, if you yeah, could. Please. So a bond uh, this um, winter, February, to the public in order to build some uh, new buildings, remodel buildings. But the other key thing is uh, replace and refurbish, um, update uh, parts of buildings like boilers and 
you know, uh, clean water uh, access in buildings, things you can't always just see and appreciate, um, but are really important for safety mm-hmm. of kids. So uh, just like the public to know that to go out and vote, I am... Um, uh, I'm not allowed to say vote yes. I'm not saying that. So I'm just. <laughs> Are saying, you not allowed to say that? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm saying that we have a lot of um, need for this uh, in our district, um, and we would like everyone to come vote. So mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot, but it's 530 million is what we're going to be asking the, the public to help us with. Yeah. And outline some of that again. No new buildings, or there will be some okay. remodeling, remodeling of buildings. Remodeling of buildings. Um, uh, and um, refurbishing and fixing lots of buildings. And part of this is, you know, a lot of it's really safety-related, mm-hmm. equity-related. It's going to be all around the city, so it's it's going to be spread out um, to all areas that are in need. Um, we've done two big bonds while I've lived in, in Tacoma um, where schools have been rebuilt and remodeled uh, over the past 13 years. I might have that wrong, but in that range. Mm-hmm. So this will be, you know, theoretically really never done, right? As you remodel something, something is now becomes old, you know, 15 years down the line. So we'll have to, this is an ongoing process, but I think it'll, it'll really help the kids have a, a safe uh, place to, to learn mm. and, and, the, and the staff. Yeah. Vote, people. Yes. All right. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Channel 253 is brought to you by Alaska Airlines. They're my airline of choice. When I need to book a flight, I don't mess with the travel sites anymore. I go straight to Alaska Air and book direct. It's not even a question for me. When I'm on board, the flight attendants are courteous and the service is efficient. That's really important to me. Also, they've got a killer cheese plate. Seriously, get the fruit and cheese plate next time you fly. And they have Northwest Craft Beers. I feel like a human when I fly Alaska. I'm a customer, not a commodity. Alaska is such a good airline and has such good service, I forgive them for sponsoring the Timbers, my rival. And if I'm willing to do that, you know Alaska must be good. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP, and I fly Alaska. All right. Welcome back. Uh, So we're here today with Enrique Leon. He's running for Tacoma School Board. We've done about 18 million candidate interviews. So if you've been listening to them all and enjoying hearing about the people that are running for local office, you should definitely become a member of Channel 253 because it's only like $4 a month or $40 a year, which is nothing. I'm sure $4 a month is way less than that can of almond roca cost, but I don't actually know. But I'm assuming. Anyway, Enrique, okay, so you are currently on the school board. Yes. And one thing that I have often wondered about, and I obviously hear other people wondering about too, is why our administrator pay is so high, especially when, not that administrators don't deserve to make lots of money, especially when they're really good at their jobs, but uh, especially when we've been having layoffs like we had this year. Is that something you're, like the school board is looking at or that you want to look at? Yes. So um, when we talk about administrators, I presume you're talking about our top administrators, mm-hmm. so like a superintendent, assistant superintendents, those folks. They're um, principals and assistant principals are administrators also. Right. Um, and their their pay is higher um, than a teacher's, of course. Um, so we'll just start at the top and work our way down if, if, that, sure, makes, if that makes sense. Um, so, yes, superintendents are uh, of large districts are paid a lot. So our superintendents in the 300,000 uh, range, right around that. Um, that number, uh, so that is a large number, and I will I will concede that to anybody. That's uh, a lot more than I get paid. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will. I think it's worthwhile discussing that this is also what these uh, administrators are paid in other uh, comparable sized districts in our state and other states. We'll just take our state for instance. Um, 
and it is actually pretty much a full-time job, like 24-7 every day of the year. There's mm. issues that come up at all hours of the night and day and weekends um, that they're dealing with that most of us didn't know that there it took someone to be awake at all hours of the night and day. Um, that's not by itself reason enough to 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 say, you know, pay them this larger amount of money, but it, it is more than most people realize. And yeah, managing an organization, you know, the size the size of Tacoma Public Schools is uh, is a feat. So it, it is difficult work. Um, so the question is, can we? Could we find someone at a lower, um, you know, pay someone a lower amount and do just as good a job? We might be able to, um, but that's not. Uh, something that the market is bearing at this point with regard to um, what uh, these seasoned administrators have to offer and have been proven or where they've come from. So Carla Santono came from Seattle and before that Colorado, and she had a lot of great experience, and that was evident in her hiring process. I wasn't on the board to hire her. Um, um, but these these folks that are filling these positions have a wide array of, of talents. So it is um, it is. A bit of money, I, I agree, um, and it's also something that um, is what kind of the market is bearing right now. So, um, other districts our size are, are doing the same thing. So, doesn't make it that uh, right that we should have to do that. But if we tried to say, okay, we're going to cut your pay by you know one third or something like that, we may not, uh, we may lose our, our excellent superintendent, and we may not get someone who's um, of of that quality. So. Um, I am sensitive to that topic. I think it's important we think about it. Um, the other thing to remember is that um, there is, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a calculation that shows um, you know, how much she makes and compared to the size of the district compared to the other districts in the state and what those superintendents are making. And she is right. So we're about the between the third and the fourth largest district, and she makes fifth or sixth down the list in amount of, of pay compared to all those other, mm-hmm. other, other positions. So... That's starting at the top, um, and then just working our way down. Um, yeah, the the other administrative positions. So I'll actually I'll add on one more thing. She, um, Dr., uh, Superintendent Santorno, was actually also um, allowed to take the same pay raise that the teachers got because that's in her contract, and she actually um, declined that. So okay. she did not take it uh, in light of of the the cutbacks that we're having and and laying people off. Mm-hmm. So um, right. I mean, yeah, that would. But yeah, it's not to say that she doesn't deserve to make that much money. I've never been a superintendent of a school and I never could do that job. So it's just, I guess, because of the layoffs, it's kind of like a, oh, well, what a, what over here could we do to balance this sheet a little more? Yeah. yeah. Um, but princi- that's something you think about. We do. We do think about it. Yeah. And we, as we evaluate, we don't evaluate the principals, but let's just say, you know, principal makes in the 130, 140,000 range. Um, if people don't know what a principal's life is like, it's actually pretty amazing how many hours of the day they're, they're also, uh, have to be on the clock and available to help, um, with little fires that go on and pr- mm-hmm. you know, planning and, and making sure kids are safe and, and schedule. So, um, my background is I come from a family of all educators. I mentioned that earlier, but I, I have a, my wife's a teacher and a counselor now, and everyone in my family has been a teacher or an, or an administrator. Um, so I'm. I understand the, the challenges as they faced uh, as, as they've taught and administrated. So right, yeah, it's that's a tough one. Um, another topic that I wanted to touch on is the um, the student lunch debt. 
Um, and we were kind of like talking in the channel two five three Slack about how like one administrator salary could like wipe out that student lunch debt. Um, what is the district going to do about that? So we are trying to learn from some other districts that don't have as much of an issue around debt. Puyallup's one of them that's doing a better job at actually signing up the families that are qualify for free and reduced lunch mm. that are not signing up. That's mm. part of the issue we have in our district is that we ask and we try to remind and a lot of families that would bent, would um, would qualify for that um, for one reason or another haven't gone through the, the paperwork um, of signing their kids up. And then they can't pay. Right. So then um, we have that debt. Um, it's, it's about $130,000 to start the school year, right? I think so. Okay. I think so, yeah. And um, and we don't want to shame any kids no. into not getting their lunch or the the quote unquote the right lunch. You know, the, the lunch everyone else gets and getting something that's uh, people can tell is oh that's the the lunch for the kid that doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not fair for that kid. Um, and we we're trying to do our best around not creating any debt. And not I asked this question at one of our meetings a few months ago um, that we're not someone at. Uh, one of constituents asked me if we were sending people to collections or having you know people call them and things like that, and, and they thought they were, and I confirmed that that's not happening. So that's um, good. Yeah. So that would have been would have been horrible. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and a whole new PR problem. Yeah, yeah. So that's not happening. Um. So, so how is PR so good at getting people to sign up? Like, how uh, do you make that happen? Yeah. So actually, I don't know the details of what they've done, but something in their system, and I think it's a opt. Uh, opt out type oh. of thing issue. So like they're signing folks up, and if you're not, you know, if you're if they think you're near the line where you would qualify, they're just signing you up automatically. And then the folks that aren't, then kind of you you take them off off the list if they, they have enough money in their family to, mm-hmm. to not be on the list. Uh, but I'm not positive. That's just what I've heard they might be doing. So mm-hmm. we're trying to learn from them and some other districts that don't have uh, as much of this issue. Is that something that you guys could do? Are there any legal issues around doing that? Or I think we've, exp- uh, If there are legal issues, um, I'm not sure. Right. I'm, not, I'm not sure about the, the uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. So I believe that, um, some of the layoffs included career and tech ed staff and McKinney-Vento staff. And so with kind of those areas that wrap around the whole child, especially in the case of Mm McKinney-Vento, um, or staff that are liaisons to help homeless students, like helping them like get to school and do all sorts of Things that are harder for them because they're not housed, so they have more insecurity in their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, career and tech ed staff, which I work in workforce development in my day job, so that's something that's like near and dear to our heart. Um, with those pieces missing, is that going to hurt student outcomes in Tacoma, like our great graduation rate that we always talk about and mm-hmm. test scores and that mm-hmm. sort of thing? I think it could. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it could. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm very um, thinking about those topics and our. Our most vulnerable are really the folks I think we need to focus in on uh, a lot um, the most because if we can help them, we're really helping everybody else improve. So um, we've lost some of those folks that were excellent um, at helping our, our students navigate the system when they are when they don't have stable housing. We're partnered with a lot of other organizations that help us with that, mm-hmm. um, but it's, you know, and it's, and that's good. And expanding those partnerships, I think, is one way we can, we can try to fill the gap until we get this levy money here in January. I think that those would be some of the people that we'd also, we'd want to hire right back. Right. Um, so like people like the College Success Foundation, you know, um, and other, other programs like that that are helping us um, 
um, with kids that um, would have higher risk of not graduating and, and including those. And um, tech um, is sort of just your other part of this would be uh, the tech education. I think it's really, you know, this focus on, we, we shouldn't, I'm not saying we focus it so much, but in in um, K through 12, a lot of times there's a big focus in some districts on college, college, college mm-hmm. for everybody. Really, you know, so it's really not not appropriate to do that because college is not necessary to have a happy, fruitful life. You right. know, you got to find something you're happy to happy at doing, um, and also pays well, right? Pays mm-hmm. decent enough for you to be able to, uh, um, you know, do, have your your basic shelter and education, and 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 have a happy life that way. So um, many technical jobs actually pay pay a lot better sometimes than actually going to college and and getting your four D for your degree or master's degree. But some kids aren't aware of them. Um, I think it's an yeah. awareness, a big awareness issue, especially mm-hmm. in K through twelve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And but is that something you guys would try to get back if you can? Yes. Right. Yes, I, w- I would definitely want that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so um, you're running against Chris Kearns, is it? Yes. Yeah. So uh, so compare yourself to your opponent. Why are you the right person for the job? Well, I think I've got uh, many years of experience with regard to um, um, working with students, not just as a my current position, but uh, educating uh, students in, from my uh, my work as a physician. I've been teaching medical students for for about eight years full time, and before that, um, so the the understanding of curriculum, um, uh, pedagogy around around teaching is something I'm, I understand from working at it. Um, like I mentioned earlier, my family is fully in in education in all every shape, way, and form. Uh, so I understand education uh, matters. Uh, so I think that those two things would help me uh, be a good candidate. The other thing that I've done is really accomplish a lot of um, larger goals. So, um, so organizing around communicating with people. The Salishan Hope Six project what happened about 12 years ago with the revitalization of Salishan. When I worked at community healthcare, I was on that uh, committee and that board in order to help um, bring partners from all around the city together to make that a reality. And that's why I worked. And I saw the fruit, the fruits of my labor come mm-hmm. come to bear, and uh, just my ability to communicate with folks and um, and be able to bring uh, people that maybe have different opinions to the table and uh, and negotiate and and have a, some 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 compromise is important. Um, I also deal with data all the time um, as a as a physician. We're all we're all scientists at, at some level with regard to understanding studies um, and what. The, what evidence-based you know changes uh, are really necessary for a better society, but I also understand that there's um, uh, it, there's emotion involved in in a lot of what we do as humans. So mm-hmm. you can bring all the data in the world to someone and the right reasons for why we need to do uh, make decision A, and someone's emotions around the topic um, without 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 using the data will make them want to choose decision B. So mm-hmm. I think communication is really important uh, in how we message um, the reasons why uh, we want to do better and do more with education. So right. um, the um, one of the things I'm really um, excited about is bringing uh, uh, a delayed school uh, start time to... Yeah, uh, talk to me about that. Yeah. So, so really delaying the start time in high school... And many, many research studies show actually even middle school um, shows that kids do better academically, so better test scores, better graduation rates, um, less discipline problems, and a whole lot of health benefits, so uh, less, less problems with um, um, 
anxiety, depression, substance abuse, uh, these topics that we'd mentioned earlier by having the physicians in the room, those things improve also. With having kids, a later start time. With having a later start time because kids actually get some sleep. Mm-hmm. They're less likely to be uh, depressed, anxious, um, and they're more awake. So when they're in, in class on time or in or interactive, then also the, the teachers that have those students in the first couple hours of the day, the first couple periods, um, are happier and, mm-hmm. and they're connecting with their kids. So this evidence has been out for over 20 years. Um, and really our, our school schedule, um, not just the days, of the uh, or the time of the day that we go, but also you know the calendar of the school year is based on an old time agrarian society, which most of us aren't um, aren't agrarians in, in the farm in the farm world. Especially uh, not anymore. Tacoma. <laughs> not Tacoma. I mean, we, we know that exists. Obviously, we still need good good farms out there. Uh, so so that's something that um, I'm really passionate about. The return on investment. So if you the dollars spent on that. Um, are seven you get seven times more in your return on investment doing that type of uh, change just delaying start time by an hour than you do by um, by doing new buildings by doing new curriculum with things that we do all the time to improve um, education and those things make small incremental changes but the start time can make uh, much larger changes in a shorter period of time is that because kids are just like awake and more present yeah. I used to sleep all the way through first period. Every day, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> absolutely, no, they're they're awake and present, and it also affects them the whole rest of the day. They're just uh, they're happier, mm-hmm. you know. They're more engaged. So, mm-hmm. um, and I know uh, we're not naive, and we know that there's it's a complex puzzle. So, just so the public understands, we this would be a process that would be probably a, you know for the next year and a half, two years to plan appropriately. The board has not approved this yet. I just want to make sure everyone knows that we're still having a study session to discuss it more and vote on this and then and then uh, discuss it more with the superintendent. Everyone knows the data is there, but there's a push and a pull of how many topics and projects projects can we work on at one time um, in in order to push through uh, push them all through through um, and be successful. So I think uh, let us know, let me know your your thoughts out there on on start times. Really, I've talked to over 1,400 people, you know, it's just like one-on-one and in forums while I've been running for, for this uh, seat. And uh, the vast majority, like 98% of people are positive about mm-hmm. around this. But I know there's going to be um, folks that will have reservations around it. So, What are the know. drawbacks, if any? So there, there are. So the, the drawbacks are rescheduling um Rescheduling things that occur. So, what do you need to reschedule? Sports. So, sports. Yeah, mm-hmm. after school activities, drama, sports is, is one of the big ones. That and that's actually what pre- has prevented this from happening in a lot of districts. It's just that one thing. Um, and then there's um, depends on if you bring the younger kids to school earlier or do you keep them coming at the same time. Then you have uh, kids that could be coming earlier and then they're going home and not having a sibling care for them. Mm-hmm. You know, really the older siblings should be doing their academics and not be babysitters. But we know the reality is not everyone can afford, you know, a babysitter or a daycare. Mm-hmm. But we would have, uh, there's been solutions around this by expanding the day after school for the younger kids by having, you know, the YMCA, the United Way, Metro Parks involved. They're already doing some of this. Great work. The great partners that we have with them. Uh, so, there's that. There's transportation. The cost is the cost if um, of more buses potentially. If you have everybody going to school at the same time, 
Um, so uh, parents' work schedules could, right. could also potentially change. So you want to educate uh, really the whole community, the em- local employers that – Look, uh, these are the important reasons why this this society, this future workforce is going to come to you after they graduate. Um, They come out um, better educated with less medical, psychological burden. They're going to be better employers for you or employees for you. But it's sometimes hard for employers to see kind of long, long range things. Um, and then parents would change their schedules. But most parents that have done this, um, in, you know, in, in other districts, so that's parents get to sleep in too. Yeah. Teachers get to sleep in a little bit more. Actually, everyone's more well-rested. Uh, so there's lots of, lot, there's way more pro than con right. to this. Yeah. I don't even have kids and I'm like, yeah, do it. Just do it. It makes more sense. <laughs> right. Well, because you, you remember when we were, you were a kid and yes. I was a kid. I didn't want to get up It was brutal. Early. Yeah. But we're going to have at 6 a.m. as like yeah. a 17-year-old. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just uh, the fault of the parents that don't put their kids to bed early. So no. Some people will say, oh, it's just put your kid to bed early. Take the device out of their hand. Uh, kids, adolescents are wired to be up later and go to and need more sleep. So physiologically, the brain needs more sleep to develop appropriately. Interesting. Yeah. You heard it from a doctor, y'all. <laughs> uh, anything else you'd like to share, Enrique? Oh, there's... Um, I think the other piece that's really important for us is this uh, social emotional learning curriculum we bought last year. We finally we purchased the full the full um, curriculum for the whole district. We've been piloting it and using it in about twelve schools. So the Wallace Foundation grant allows us to do this. And some people call this the soft skills right. um, learning Essential skills. Yeah, but really they're so essential. If you don't have the ability to communicate properly to keep yourself calm. Um, to not blow up, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To to be able to, to function as a team, then you it's really difficult to then do the other things, the reading, writing, arithmetic, and and take that ex- exponentially out once you graduate into the workforce. If you don't have those skills early, um, you, you, nobody wants to hire you, or if you get the job, you, you may not do very well at it. So, mm-hmm. um, so we've got that, and uh, we'd like to roll it out as quick as possible. The health curriculum also uh, that we purchased from Seattle. A few years ago, is still partly rolled out. So I think that that's important for everybody to understand. We're we're working on getting that out to to uh, to all the students. So that's just not not just um, the birds and the bees. It includes all that, but also we discuss that in age appropriate timeframes, mm-hmm. um, and we want to discuss it really with everybody. It's not just that, but it's also nutrition, it's sleep, it's bullying. Um, it's understanding and respecting all cultures, uh, you know, transgender, LGBTQ uh, rights, making sure everybody understands we we all deserve the same the same treatment. Yeah. Right. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Really fun. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, please email me at candice.rude at gmail.com. That's Candice with an I, dot rude, R-U-U-D, at gmail.com. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rude, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.